Okay, so this evening, uh, as I indicated, uh, we're going to switch gears here and uh, move from our, the theme that we've had this weekend so far. I'm just going to wrap up this evening uh, with a message titled, Staying the Course. We look at the churches in Revelation and, uh, in uh, chapters 2 and 3, and, you know, God, Jesus had... For most of them, Jesus had some things he could commend them for, and, and things that they're doing right. Um, but there were things that, uh, five of the churches, he said, you're going to have to make some changes. You're going to need to repent. And um, you're, you're off course. And you need to get back on course. Uh, or else uh, I would have to remove your candlestick. And... Um, and so we want to keep on course, don't we? And uh, so what I'd like to do actually this evening um, is if we could just stand. And you know what Revelation 1 says? It says that uh, blessed are all those who read the, this, this word, this prophecy. Uh, blessed are all those who, who hear it. And blessed are all those who keep it, who hold on to it and, and, and apply it. So... I've, I have no problem reading this a lot because I know I'm going to have a blessing and you're going to have a blessing. So I want me to stand and, and I'm actually going to read all of the letters. We're going to read Revelation 2 and 3 here. I'm just going to go through the whole thing and then um, we're just going to make uh, about five points here uh, this evening. Let's see. Yeah, five points uh, on staying the course. Okay, Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are, you're, you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this, one, this, this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will be in tribulation, but be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. He will not be hurt by the second death. And to the church of Pergamum, write, the words of him who have the, has a two-edged sword. 
I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name, and you do not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. But also, you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and your faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her out, uh, throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will uh, throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and the, all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each one of you according to his works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching and who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast that you have, uh, what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star, and he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come against you. Yet you have a, still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white, white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and they will learn I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, 
I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar into the, in the temple of God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of the God, the name of the city of, of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches and to the church of the, of La, in Laodicea. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are rich, uh, wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit on my throne, to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. And you may be seated. So that's a lot, and there's a lot we could cover in there, but, uh, and we're not going to be able to, to do a, a full uh, exposition on this this evening, uh, but what we have here is we have some churches uh, that kept the course, and we have some churches that, that went off course, and uh, Jesus was calling them back to repentance, and so I just want to make five points this evening um, that I believe are necessary for staying the course. The first one is that the mission or the objective needs to be clear. Your mission needs to be clear. Why does Gospel Light Fellowship exist? What is the mission of Gospel Light Fellowship? Are you clear about that? Jesus addresses ways in which the five churches lost their way from staying true to their purpose that he had for them, for the objective he had for them. He said, you've fallen from your first love. Go back and do the works that you did at first. They lost track of what God had for them, the works that he had, the purposes that he had for them. Repent. And to the five churches that he had a word of rebuke to, said, repent, which means to turn back and return to where you were. And uh, if we're not clear on what our objective and, and mission is, uh, then we don't know where we're going. And so, well, certainly we will go off track and uh, lose course. Uh, and so I think, first of all, we need to be clear on the objectives that Jesus has set forth for all of his followers. Uh, it must be our objective and our purpose to be witnesses and proclaimers of the gospel. We're commanded to go and do this to exalt Jesus in his body and in the world. 
Uh, we're commanded to make disciples, baptizing them. We're commanded to teach all that Christ commanded us. And this is in Matthew 28. And we're told that he who endures to the end will be saved. And so, and we also know that we had what I call the conqueror's promises. Each of these churches received a conqueror's promise. He who will conquer, I will. And he had a promise for each of them. And so um, we, we must endure. One of our objectives must be to endure to the end, to have our eyes set on the prize, to know where we're going, to have the marker set before us, to receive the conqueror's prize. And so what is your mission what are, what are you clear about as Gospel Light Fellowship that keeps you on course being faithful to the mission and call of God on your lives? The second point, the Word needs to be the primary source for belief and practice. There are uh, so many uh, options and, and so many resources. Uh, we live in a day and age where you can hear we have more sermons, Bible teaching available to us than we can shake a stick at. Uh, there's just so much. And it's, it's a lot of good stuff. Uh, but you know, uh, we've got to be careful that we're committed to the ones that are committed to the Word of God. Um, the Word is, is God's revealed Word to us. And it needs to be primary. How do we know if we've gone off course if we don't have something to guide us? And the Word needs to be our primary source for belief and practice. The Word is from the beginning. The Word was made manifest in the flesh to us, in Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, it says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 14 to 17. And it's useful for, uh, for correction and rebuke and and it makes the man complete. And I'm just paraphrasing some of what's there in 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God. <clears throat> this uh, will keep us Christ-centered. If we stay centered on the Word, if this is our primary source, then we will be crystal-centric. We will be centered on Christ. And uh, we will uh, follow Him and be faithful. A low view of Scripture inevitably will result in a low view of God because we lose our reference point for God. God has spoken to us through his word. And uh, if you want to lower the word of God to something equal to something that uh, another man is writing, uh, then you're going to have a low view of God as well. And man will be, God will be reduced in your mind uh, to, to man. And so the word of God Preach the Word, teach the Word, study the Word, pray the Word. Point number three, the voice of the Spirit of God needs to be louder than other voices. The voice of the Spirit of God, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and follow. Do we hear the voice of the shepherd? Do we hear the voice of of the Spirit, or are our ears trained and attuned to other voices? There are intellectuals and philosophers and theologians um, in our day 
There's lots of, we have so much access uh, to these voices. Um, we've, we've got the voices of the naysayers and the complainers. But what voice is, are we hearing? What voice is loudest to us? Are we listening and, and anticipating and seeking to hear the voice of the Spirit of God to, to lead us and to guide us and equip us? But I say in, 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 in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And we heard in the letters to the churches, they concluded with this word, he who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Point number four, the local church needs to discern the application of the nitty-gritty in their context. These churches were called to repent. One was told, you've fallen from your first love. Go back and do the works you did at first. To the church in Smyrna, I believe it is, it says, uh, he said, you think you're alive, but you're dead. Uh, to the church in Laodicea, you're not hot or cold, you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold. And so these churches are called to repent, and similar to the point I made the first point, uh, they need to return to where they were. And <clears throat> and they need to determine what being hot looks like. What does it mean to be hot? The Spirit calls them to be hot. What, is, what does hot look like? What does it look like to do the works we did at first? What are those works that we did at first? Um, and so these churches are called to uh, back to faithfulness. But what does that look like? How, what does obedience look like? And uh, each of these churches are uh, different. They're in different geographical locations, and Jesus had a different word for them. And so what is the word that Jesus has for gospel light this evening? What does it look like to be obedient in evangelism in Kelowna, Iowa? What does it look like to relate to the poor and the oppressed and the fatherless in this area? How do you obey and honor scriptures and how you worship God or how you practice worship in your services? The Word doesn't spell all these things out many times. There are things, there are principles that are very clear, and there are some applications that seem to be clear. But many of Jesus' teachings don't spell it out. He says, he, he gives us very clear principles. But he, I think he wants us to wrestle with what that looks like. How do we apply that? How do we obey that? And each individual church has to do that. And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to get an answer. And if you're not doing that, then you're not going to apply the principles. And thus, you become off course. And so each church has to wrestle with this. And we know that in Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council had to do this. What are we going to ask of the Gentile believers? We have a collision course here of cultures and religion between the Jews and the Gentiles and our different practices, and we're both trying to be Christians together here, and we're coming from a different point of reference. 
And so they had to get together and meet and discuss it and argue a bit. And at the end, they had three points. We will lay no other burden on you but that, and I'm drawing a little blank, I think it's not eating meat sacrificed to idols, not drinking blood, and I forget what the third one is. But they, they, they had to wrestle with it, and they came to a conclusion. Point number five, there are always non-negotiables and ultimatums. Now, I know we don't like that, but there are. There are, and, uh, and so in our decision-making and, and, and determining what, we, we, what obedience looks like, uh, in being clear about our mission, in being faithful to the Word, and a commitment to the voice of the Spirit, there are non-negotiables, and there are ultimatums. And Jesus said, unless you repent and do the works you did at first, I will have to remove your candlestick. Oh, it's just so hard to read. Like, Jesus, how long will you contend with them? Please, we don't want to see the candlestick go. Have mercy. But at some point, we're either a faithful bride or we're not. In Titus 3, Verse 10, it says, warn a divisive person once and twice, then have nothing to do with them. Have you, seen, have you had that practice in any of your church experience? Warn the divisive person once, then twice, then have nothing. It's not easy for us to do that. But Jesus really loves his church, and he really wants it to stay the course. And he's preparing his bride to be reunited with him one day for the marriage feast of the Lamb. And he's saying, divisiveness does not represent me. And it's not what I want in my bride. And unfortunately, we have a hard task to play sometimes. In 1 Corinthians 5, we have the situation of the sexually immoral who's not repentant. And we have direction on how to respond to that. And if you're not repentant, he cannot remain in fellowship. And so there are points where we have to draw some lines, the non-negotiables. They're the hardest, the hardest part. But Jesus loves his church, and he's preparing a pure church. Acts 15, again, to reference the Jerusalem Council. So what if some of the Gentiles, believers, said, you know, but we've had blood soup for all these years, and now you're saying I can't have blood soup? You know, actually, there's some cultures in our day that, that do that. They boil blood and uh, that's been a stumbling block for some when churches try to apply that. But that was one of the things they said. We have to draw a line on that. Because blood represents life. And life is, 
is given by God. And we need to treat blood as, as a th- symbol of life. And we're not going to consume it. And that was a non-negotiable they came to. And so, part of being the body of Christ is making those decisions and drawing some of those lines to say this is what it looks like to be obedient. We're called to a spirit of unity, an edification of the body. We're called to repent from our sins and to find forgiveness and sanctification and righteousness in Jesus. As we draw a conclusion, Galatians, referencing Galatians 5, this is a situation in Galatians where Paul had felt like he had been clear about how Jewish believers should relate with Gentile believers, and especially on the issue of circumcision. It's not something that we would enforce. But some of the brothers, including Peter, and I think Barnabas, they kind of got off track on that, and they started disassociating themselves with some of the, Ju- the Gentiles. And so Paul confronts them, and we're not going to get into all of that. But in Galatians chapter 5, Paul asks this question. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? It's kind of, it's kind of like Jesus said like, to some of these churches, like, you were hot. You were alive. You, you were doing the works at first, but now you're not. What, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Chapter 5, verse 7, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But, I, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul has, is calling them back to walking in the truth, having a centrality on the cross of Christ, not on whether we're circumcised or not. I thought we already established this. 
why would I be still persecuted if I'm just, if I'm not preaching the cross? Why would I still be persecuted if the issue at hand is about circumcision? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. And he's saying, I want you to understand the freedom. You were called to freedom. But the freedom that you're called to is a freedom in Christ. It's not a freedom to go back to live out of the flesh. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so I come back to this again, brothers and sisters, whether it's this message or any of the messages I give tonight, this theme of love comes back. Jesus first loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So I pray this evening that you can keep the course. You can carry on together in love, for one another, and for the world. That you be clear on the objective and the mission that God has for you as a, as a fellowship. And proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, being faithful to the word, making it your priority, your primary source for belief and practice. And that the Spirit of God could speak to you. You would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. And that God would give you much wisdom and discernment to discern application of the Word of God and the principles of Jesus' teachings. And then those times when someone would come to climb over the gate, or climb over the wall, that thief that would come to, to steal, or that wolf in sheep's clothing that you could be discerning and that you could be clear and take a stand on issues of sin and disobedience. That you could contend for the faith and for a pure bride. God give you lots of wisdom. I have been blessed to be here. I sense a vibrancy here. I know that there's things that each one of you, you have different stories and different experiences and things that you're working through. But I just want to encourage you to keep on. I see that you have a desire to lift up the name of Jesus and to worship Him. I see that you have a desire to not just be given to ritual and, and uh, unthoughtful process, but to be mindful of how God would want to move in you and through you each and every time you meet. And so be faithful to that. Expect the Spirit to guide you and, and, and speak to you. And I'm blessed by the way you're willing to collaborate with other local churches and believers to spur each other on 
to go forward and to be faithful. So continue, continue on. May God uh, reward you and encourage you, equip you, and work through you in this neighborhood, in this area. As I close, I just want to thank you again. We're, we're just blown away. I mean, I tell you, there's nice people in, in, in Brooklyn, and, and, if, and if you came, I think you would feel cared for. But I don't know. I mean, you all have just been over the top. Um, I just don't even hardly know how to say thank you, but just to say it. Thank you for your kindness, your generosity in so many ways to us as a family. You've certainly felt loved and cared for, and we, we don't deserve it. Um, we're just here to, to fill a call that God has for me. So thank you. And uh, maybe one day our, cross will, our paths will cross again. You're welcome to New York. Um, I know that uh, for some of you it feels in, would feel intimidating, but we try to take care of you. So. Let me just pray for you. Father, I pray for this fellowship. We thank you that we can look to you as our chief shepherd. Thank you that you are caring for this flock. I just pray that you would guard them from the evil one. And I pray that you would make them courageous and steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor is not in vain in the Lord. I pray that as individuals, they would be committed to your word and to prayer and to growing in relationship with you so that they collectively can grow in your word and in prayer and in fellowship with you. And then I pray that you would empower them by your spirit to spread the gospel beyond these walls that you would make them skillful. Would you rise up, raise up, if not, they don't already don't have them, I pray that you'd raise up evangelists from among them that are particularly skilled in spreading the seeds of the gospel. And I pray you'd make them skillful in discipleship. I pray for parents that are raising young children would you care for them? We thank you, Father, that you carry those that are with young. You care for them. You shepherd them. I pray for that each of the parents here this evening could feel shepherded by you, that they would turn to you and depend fully on you for this important, challenging task. I pray for those that would consider themselves young people here this evening. I pray that you would fill them with a love for your word, 
I pray that you would fill them with a love for your church, that they could uh, just serve and contribute to the life of this fellowship. You would encourage their hearts. I pray that the, the, the questions that they have, that they wrestle with, that they'd be a safe place for them to process that here. I pray for those that are older among the group. That you would help them to speak from their life experiences, to encourage, and to call up the younger ones. Lord, Lord, I just pray a blessing on this fellowship. We commit them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.